Welcome to the Men and Hoodies podcast, where we take you on an excursion through everything in the sports world. Trending news, hot conversations, heated debates, and unlike shows such as First Take and Undisputed, things that you, the listeners, actually want to hear. Let's now go to your hosts, Brent Lyons, Roman Cleary, and Jake Stoop. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode two of Men in Hoodies After Dark. It's great to be with you tonight, and we have had an interesting week. We go back to our divisional and wildcard predictions. After those, Roman is one game ahead of me and Brent. We'll be getting into our AFC and NFC championship predictions today. But first, we've got to talk about some college basketball. It is getting interesting as we approach February basketball, college basketball. That is where it starts to get very, very interesting as March Madness is right around the corner. But today we had the Big 12 SEC Challenge, which is basically a yearly tradition where both of really some of the top conferences in college basketball get together and clash. Typically, the Big 12 does come out on top, and that's exactly what happened today. 12 or 7 to 3 in favor of the Big 12. Roman, we're going to start off with more of a fun question today. You can answer this first. Obviously, we are sports analysts, sports enthusiasts. We love watching sports, but one of the main things we like doing, at least me and Roman especially, is listening and fonding over the commentators in the booth. Roman, who would be your top two picks for your favorite announcers, one being play-by-play and one being color commentators? Who would those be? So my favorite play-by-play is pretty easily uh, Al Michaels. I think Al Michaels is the best Mm. to ever do it. I still think he's doing a great job with it right now. I mean, it's very difficult to analyze the jobs of these announcers because you, you, you like what you like, I suppose. But I think Al Michaels puts a great emphasis on the moments. He always seems to have a good call up his sleeve when something crazy happens. And he's just the greatest play I play ever, in my opinion. So, yeah, there's that. And the color one is a bit trickier because, I mean, being a natural play-by-play, myself it's a bit easier for me to identify what i like in terms of a play-by-play person but for color i'm gonna go with doris burke with the nba wow i i I just think that she's fantastic i think i think she analyzes the game in a really eloquent way and i think she does a good job with it so yeah i like her too but wow you can love them or you hate them but that's that's what i like (laughs) brent yeah, I'm going to say Al Michaels, too, for play-by-play. I don't think it gets much better than that. Um, like mm. Roman said, I think he does a great job. Um, I, you could argue, and I could probably like think of somebody that I may like enjoy more like personally, but I think overall, with the grand scheme of things, I think that Al Michaels does a great job. Um, and I'm a big fan of Kirk Herbstreet, so mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to put him as my play-by-play here. Not Thank play-by-play, God. my color. Um, I think he does a great job no. as well. Um, so yeah, I think that those two guys are great. I think that, I don't know if they'd have the, the greatest chemistry together. Um, but you know, <laughs> I, I think, I think that well, if I had to pick chemistry, it could be a little different, but. Well, it's, it's hard to build chemistry when literally every single game that you call is a snooze fest. So <laughs> pretty hey, much man. mine would have to be at play by play. I would say the one growing up that has been my go-to, my favorite announcer. Gus Johnson. This, this is, <laughs> he's definitely up there. Um, but I know a lot of people aren't a big fan of him. But my favorite growing up has been Joe Kevin Harlan. Okay, because of Who doesn't beauty. like Kevin Harlan? It, I love a Kevin lot of people Harlan. don't like him because he talks too much. I consider he sounds, he sounds like too professional is what I've heard. 
I like him because he he gives you those like random facts mid game that you never heard before. It's kind of like he's telling a story, which I really like. Another one up there would be Jim Nance. I'm a big Jim Nance guy. Just the variety of what he can call. Kevin is more of football and basketball. Jim Nance, you can put him on anything. He's going to make it interesting in a way where every family at home would enjoy listening to him. Best color guy, I'm right with you, Brent Kirk Herbstreet. He is a joy to listen to in the college football playoff, especially, but also on Thursday night football for the you know occasions that I do listen to it. Um, but his his mind of the game as a former quarterback is fantastic to listen to. I love hearing him on college game day as well. His mind is. I think out of this world when it comes to predicting sports and analyzing it. So give me that. But all of ours were pretty star studded lineups, but nothing can beat the, the Brent Lyons, Jake Stoop and Roman Cleary combination. So <laughs> they all take second best to us. I'm sure. Have we ever done a three person commentary? I don't think we have. We we've uh, done it where the there's Hoodies, a, there's a side. We've done it where we had a sideline, but we've never, we've never pulled off the, the three man, the three, the three man weave is what we'll call it. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been awesome if we had done that. It's actually a really maybe, good idea. Maybe we can. Wait, there's still time. You never know. Bring Roman <laughs> back. <laughs> he he might be a little rusty. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Well, he I, probably would be a little rusty, but I think he did good. Exactly. I th- I think I can. If I get myself prepared, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. Yeah, it's it's been a while. You know, you gotta you gotta get back into it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You it it's kind of weird going like a couple weeks without doing it. It does it does hit you a little bit at the beginning, at least for me. Oh oh no no I I totally agree. But I, I think if I prepared to do it, it, I wouldn't sound as rusty by the time we uh, actually got there. Man, I'm just out here having fun. <laughs> well, we need to come up with some way to do that. Maybe so at some point in the future we'll figure something out. But for now, we're gonna have to stick with men and hoodies. But the first topic of the day is gonna be college basketball, Roman. The Big 12 SEC Challenge has been on today. It's been fantastic. But what has been the best game for you so far that you've gotten to tune into? Well, um, I really enjoyed watching Houston duel it out with Cincinnati. Cincinnati mm-hmm. really came to play. They were fantastic in terms of shooting from the field. And that in that first half, I think they were like 60% from the field. In the first half, Landers Nolly went off. He had like 20-something points. And Cincinnati really could have won that game at Houston had Nolly not gotten hurt you know, late in the game. I know Cincinnati is underachieved a little bit relative to their expectations the past two seasons, but Wes Miller, I'm, I think, has still done a pretty decent job over there. And I really admire the way that his team was able to go uh, to the Fertilla Center and fight and darn near beat uh, arguably the best team in the country. But also good job from Houston to make the comeback and squeak out the win there. That was probably my favorite game that I've watched. Arkansas-Baylor was pretty crazy. Um, Kentucky and Kansas wasn't bad. Tennessee and Texas was a little bit disappointing, but yeah, I think Cincinnati and Houston was probably the best of the bunch today. You know, even though that didn't really have uh, much Big 12 SEC implications, not yet at least, you know, both of them will be in the Big 12 soon enough. Um, I thought I thought you just meant like the best game overall that happened today. Oh, okay, that's fair. I thought we were I, specifically on. I thought S- I, I thought that's what Jake meant. If all right, if we're doing SEC Big 12, then it's Arkansas Baylor. Okay. Well, just my quick overview of the day. Um, I don't know. I, I think that the best game for me personally, uh, I've been pretty high on Missouri this year. So they picked up a big win against Iowa State um, at home, won by 17. Big win for them. They've, they've been kind of not so much, but they were falling a little bit towards that bubble line. So getting a win against 
arguably one of the better teams in the country right now is is pretty is pretty impressive. I think something else is even though Arkansas played Baylor close, they have lost kind of that momentum that they had for a while, and it's not looking great for them right now. Even though it was a close game, still one that you would have really appreciated picking up and a loss right now for Arkansas um, doesn't really look good as they continue to, to fall down the rankings. Uh, Auburn's another one of those teams that, that West Virginia Auburn was a really, really good game. I watched a little bit of that. I thought that game was pretty good. Auburn came back in the, in the second half and tried to make it a game, but fell just short. Um, but that's, I think that's their second loss. Um, this week or second loss in the past, I'm checking right now. Yeah, yeah Auburn lost two in a row now. They yeah, lost they've lost two in a row, home. Texas A&M. Yeah, then they lost to West Virginia today. And West Virginia is a pretty good team. So it's not a bad loss by any means, but at the same time, now Auburn's dropped two in a row. So they're going to have to be careful as well. They're going to go into next week unranked for sure. Um, and, like, like the Big the big 12 played well 11. today. What? You think they're going to fall at least 11 spots? It's, it's difficult. They're 15th in the AP poll right now. Yep. It'd be difficult to drop them 11 spots. It would be, but I, I think it's I think it's possible. Two relatively good teams. I mean, A and M is 50. I mean, 42nd in the net, and West Virginia is 25th. Yeah, but so, losing two games in a row, like, scrubs. Yeah, I know, but losing two games in a row could be could just push them right out because you know, like. You you lost both your games this week. They're not going to be favorable to you, but I could definitely see them staying in. I just wouldn't be surprised if they if they fell out of the pool as well. But I mean overall, that's going that's going from a three loss team who was originally ranked fifteen to a five loss team. I mean that is a huge difference, especially for the AP poll voters who, in my opinion, they don't look enough at the numbers because they're kind of flawed anyways. So I would yeah. expect them to fall. AP poll means absolutely nothing really at the end of the day yeah. because Gonzaga is going to find a way to be a one seed even if they're not ranked. So <laughs> it it doesn't really it doesn't really make sense to me. But even though the Big Twelve won, lots of their top heavy teams lost today. Like Texas, tenth in the country, lost to Tennessee, and give it to Tennessee is better than them. But still, that was a that was a big blow. TCU and Iowa State eleven and twelve. So three of the four high, highest ranked teams in the Big Twelve did lose today all to unranked teams. So, well, besides Tennessee. So two two of them lost, but to unranked teams, one of them being Mississippi State, who has been a joke for a couple weeks. Um, but, yeah, I think overall Big 12 had a great showing today, but some of those higher-ranked teams that are kind of just hanging around the top of the AP poll uh, need to be careful not to lose a couple more. This may be kind of a hot take, but I think pretty easily that this is Rick Barnes' best team at Tennessee. I mean, it doesn't quite have the star power of the teams in the past, like, say, Grant Williams or uh, Kennedy Chandler. But it's a group that just understands what to do at all times. They are fantastic defensively, but far and away the number one defensive team in the country. And they're not exactly this offensive juggernaut, but they find ways to get timely buckets. Santiago Viscovi, the good, reliable shooter for them. Julian Phillips puts in some good minutes. I mean, Sakai Ziegler is a good point guard option for them. So... I just really like the way that this Tennessee team is flowing right now. I mean, when they run in the more star-studded groups in the NCAA tournament, I don't know if they're really going to be able to handle that. But they are having a much better than expected regular season uh, for me. I don't I don't see Tennessee as one of those teams that I, – I can see Tennessee maybe going – making an Elite Eight run, but I can also see Tennessee being one of those teams that loses on the first weekend. So 
you I never know with the Vols. It's exactly what yeah. we thought last year. A lot of people had them in the Final Four. I didn't. And they ended up dropping I, around to 32 to Michigan. I mean, you just – you never know. And they – even last year they had that star point guard that could get you a bucket really whenever he wanted him to. You don't have that this year. You kind of have those three guys in Key, Ziegler, and uh, the guy you mentioned – uh, oh, Viscovi, you've got those three guys who can get you a bucket when you when you need it, but there's not that clear number one option. I think that I will mean, hurt them for yeah, sure. Yeah, that, that's what I really brought up with them at the, in the preseason, but I think this team is fundamentally better than any team that Rick Barnes has had at Tennessee. Mm. They're very experienced too, which is a big yeah, thing for, that, for sure. That really helps. But for me, the best game, and really the only game I got to watch today was the Kansas-Kentucky game. This was – Arguably the most hyped. I know game day was in Knoxville, but you had Jay Billis and the, uh, Dan Schulman at this game today. Um, I really liked what Kansas showed. Kentucky came out and really took control in that first half. Kansas made a run at the end of it to go up by, I think it was eight or nine at halftime, uh, maybe seven. But that's where I was really, like, really happy that Kansas could come out and break that losing streak that they've had. I think if they would have lost today – it would have been the first time ever that Bill Self has lost four in a row in his Kansas tenure, which would have been a huge blow to what really was a very, very good Kansas team before this losing streak. So going into a hot Rupp Arena in, in Kentucky and beating that team with, you know, Oscar Shibway and Jacob Toppin and Xavier Wheeler, that was very, very impressive, and it showed the resiliency. And I still, I still don't think that this Kansas team is going to have what it takes at the end of the day. But Jalen Wilson continues to prove me wrong. He's putting up good numbers with good efficiency. I still There's still that part of me that doesn't like what they're doing. But it's hard to argue with road wins against hot teams that are, that are pretty decent in the SEC for their conference. So Kansas got a big win and exactly what they needed. As with this loss, they could have really stayed exactly where they are. But after today, they would have fallen in the Big 12 rankings if they haven't gotten a win today. This is this is a weird year for me for as far as March Madness goes because I feel like there's the top heavy teams like the four the top seeds right now kind of seem like they're they're pulling away Alabama obviously got blown out today so that maybe opens the door a little bit for one of these two seeds to maybe jump in there like maybe Arizona closes the door a little bit uh, maybe Kansas does as well UCLA's loss this week to USC doesn't help but like I don't I don't know I'm not confident in saying that Houston, Tennessee, Purdue, Alabama, the four seeds according the four one seeds according to Joe Lenardi right now, will win. Like I don't know if any of them I'm confident in saying could win. I feel like if if any year there was a year where maybe a four, five, or six seed had a great shot at getting there, it, it would be this year, just because I'm not sure I'm confident enough to say that one like as you as you can see, like Alabama lost by 20 plus today to an Oklahoma team who's good, but they've been the bottom feeder of the big 10, the big 12 along with Texas tech and Purdue. Who's been getting good wins. They haven't lost, but one game, but there's teams are starting to figure it out a little bit. Zach Eadie's pretty much the, the main thing they have to stop and Tennessee they're rolling. But like we've already said, we don't know if they, they have the firepower when it comes to March and Houston has been playing teams close and close at home as well. And even though they seem to be one of the better teams and more consistent teams, they may not have that that experience against these March quality opponents by the time we get to March. So I, I really think it's wide open right now for any of these teams. And I, I think a big reason that it's wide open is like you've got you've got the really good point guards across the country, but I think the guard play 
across college basketball as a whole has really dipped this year. And it's not – that's why it looks wide open in March. But, again, you've got to look at who are these consistent teams that just win basketball games when they need For to. Sure. And that's exactly what Kansas was last year. They weren't the Drew Timmy-led Gonzaga Bulldogs. They weren't the Duke – uh, the Duke Blue Devils with Coach K's last year, they weren't this team that everybody was looking at as, oh, my goodness, they're really good. They were just kind of that silent Big 12 champion and ended up taking it home. So this is the time where you've got to build that winning consistency, and that's where I think we're going to end up seeing these teams start to emerge. And I think by the end of February, we will be saying this is a very top-heavy college basketball season, and that's what it's really going to look like for March as well. But obviously – March Madness shakes everything up. But we're, real quick, we're going to go to, before we get to Memphis and Penn State and our thoughts on that, Roman, we'll start with you. Who do you think right now is the best team in the country at this point in the year? Obviously, we've still got a month until conference championships start to ramp up. But who do you think right now is the best overall? Well, this is not exactly the team that I think is going to necessarily win the NCAA tournament or anything like that. But I think you have to point to Purdue as the best team in the country right now. They're the most consistent team. I mean, Matt Painter's done a good job with this group. Zach Eadie's having the best season of his college career. Again, I just don't – I don't know how much of a ceiling this Purdue team has, say, in, like, the tournament or anything like that, the postseason, or as we get closer to the end of the regular season even. But I think Purdue performing the best out of everybody thus far. Yeah, I'd have to agree – Roman, right now with you and say Purdue. Again, I don't know if right now I'm confident enough to say that they're going to win it all. There's definitely some issues that they can take care of, just as in late January there is for everybody. Um, but right now I'd say Purdue Purdue is the, the number one team for me um, at this current stage. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if the other team um, in Indiana who's starting to pick it back up again um, starts, to, starts to steal the spot because they had a great game today and they are looking – they're, they're fitting the part right now. If they can, if they can squeeze some wins together, Indiana might be, might be sneaking up the ranks as well in, in February for sure. Yeah. Jalen Hood Shafino could not miss in that game today. Like I think he hit like his first like six threes or whatever it is. I mean, he was just on fire. And if Indiana can get play like that out of him consistently, they're going to be really dangerous. Well, they're going to be top 20 in the net coming into tomorrow and they're going to be looking at a lot more quality opponents coming up. So I went. Indiana is one of those teams that people started to count out um, when they had that rough stretch in early January, losing three straight. But they have now won five in a row, um, all but one of them being top seventy um, in the net with that with the one quad two to uh, Wisconsin, which they won by twenty. But they they don't have any quad three opponents left. They only have two quad two as of right now, being Iowa and Michigan, which Iowa is looking to be a quad one by the time they play them at the end of the year. But this Indiana team, I said at the beginning of the year, they kind of made me doubt them a little bit um, early January. But I think that they are they are real contenders to give Purdue a scare in the Big Ten right now. For me in this question, and I think the reason I'm going to answer this way is just because of the – March Madness history of the Big Ten, they always get the most teams in, but it, it just it seems like they can never break that barrier. I think I mean the last I remember of a team making it from the Big Ten to the Final Four was Michigan State a few years ago, and I think they lost to Texas Tech in the Final Four. But I just I don't I don't like the Big Ten right now because a lot of people are like, oh my goodness, look how many teams they have in in Joe Lenardi's bracketology but they just never pan out when it comes to the end. So I don't like 
honestly, I'll be I'll be frank with you. I don't like looking at a Big Ten team as the best team in the country until they start winning in March. So right now, for me, I'm going to have to point to Houston. I know they had a recent loss to Temple, but Temple is eight and two in conference right now. They had a really weird non-conference stretch, hey. but they've had a very very solid conference stretch that they've been going on right now they've been so consistent they still got the star-studded players and I know people freaked out about their loss to Temple and their close games they've had recently but they still went on the road and beat UCF in Orlando they still beat Cincinnati today with a really good showing from Landers Nolly I'm gonna have to point to Houston who only has two losses and I think the numbers point to that as well Purdue only having one loss in the Big Ten with 20 wins when you look at the numbers, you're like, why in the world would they not be number one with that record? But I think that as the record shows, as the numbers show, they still have those Houston teams, the Tennessee teams above Purdue in the top two ranking systems in the Ken Palm and the net. So I'm going to have to look at Houston for this one, even though they did have that recent loss to Dallas. It's, look, it's going to – you got it. You, no, oh, okay. Look, again, like I just said, Purdue is not necessarily my pick to go all the way in the NCAA tournament. But – I just think they've been performing like the best team in the country lately. I mean, no, no disrespect to Houston because at the end of the day, yes, Houston does have a higher postseason ceiling than a team like Purdue, but Purdue has been performing better as of late. So I think it's kind of disrespectful to not pin Purdue as the number one team in the country at this moment. I uh, just talking about uh, Temple for a second because I did, I did originally say I thought they would make the tournament when we did our preseason things, and it would take a lot. Uh, for them to get in there, it'd probably take them making a run in the AAC tournament. Yeah, they uh, lost as well as winning. losses to Wagner and Maryland Eastern Shores, so things are not looking. Yeah, <laughs> but they but they have been very successful in uh in the good old conference play. So I do I do think Temple, yeah, definitely not a bad team. I get your point, Jake, on Houston, but at the end of the day, you say you can never point to a Big Ten team, but I'm never going to point to a non-power five team because you know. It comes like Gonzaga for a perfect I mean, there example. Is, there I know. is no Power Five in basketball, though. I'm, is there though? Yes, there is. I don't think so. No, the there's you cannot five in basketball. That's that's a myth. The Big East. There's a Power Six. It. Yeah. Okay. There's a Power Six. Football, really. But I'm just saying, it's still a general term. I like Gonzaga. Well, recruiting, perfect... recruiting arguably has been better in the top half of the American than a lot of yeah. top halves in other conferences. Yeah. And Houston, I, Houston was dominant in non-conference play. Like they yeah. were really good. So same with Memphis too. I mean, I don't, I don't want to hear that. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, like when it, when it comes down to like the teams that have won it in the past like ten years. Let's see, Kansas, Baylor, 2020 was canceled. Virginia, there's Villanova, North Carolina, Villanova, Duke, there's UConn. Louisville, Kentucky, UConn again, Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Florida, Florida, North Carolina, UConn again, Syracuse, Maryland, Duke, and Michigan State. That takes us back all the way to 2000. Three or four of those, UConn and Villanova. If you're considering those non-power, if we're considering it power five, non-power five, four of the past 21, 22 years have came from a non-power five school. And there are lots of good non-quote-unquote power five schools but I think at the end of the day, like the the power still comes from these these schools. So I'm going to give it to one of these one of these teams that are in the more top heavy conferences that get the better play. The difference for me is the guard play. When I was listening to that list, the only team that I could think of as you were naming them 
that's best player was a big man was Florida with Joe Kim Noah. This team is led by Zach Eady and pretty much is the Zach Eady show. You've got Fletcher Lawyer averaging 13, but those are your only two double-digit-per-game scores. It is pretty much a, a balanced attack, sort of like that Tennessee. And I don't know, honestly, what would differentiate that for me except the three or four inches Zach Eady has over everybody. I mean, that's all I'd, I would really pin against them in a lesser conference, in my opinion, with very close games the past couple weeks. I don't know. I would just – I would lean more towards the guard-heavy, star-studded Houston team that's way more experienced. That, that would means, just be my opinion. Which means oh, no, that no. Penn State and Memphis are going to be in the national championship because they have the best two guards in the country, right? Telling you, guards win in March. Guards well, win in March. Yeah, and again, I think Houston long-term is better than Purdue, but Purdue is performing better than Houston at the moment. Yeah. Well, they definitely have the better record, but the numbers in the net and the Ken Palm both show Houston. But either way – both of those answers would probably be the top two that you'd want to have. So props to the Boilermakers and the Cougars. But let's get to the two best teams in college basketball, Memphis and Penn State. Roman, you've been to pretty much every single game. I believe you have been to every game. How have those been and how have the Tigers looked recently? Well, um, I, I wasn't at the SMU game on Thursday. Oh. And I think I missed, like, the North Alabama game or something like that. But yeah, hey. I, and, 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 <laughs> no, 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 wait, no. I went to North Alabama and I missed Little Rock. That's it. Yeah. Oh, boo. Good. Good. Oh, and I didn't go to Alabama State either. Sorry. Didn't see Mar Knox. <laughs> He's but, <probably> so offended. <laughs> <laughs> but if you would ask me my thoughts on Memphis, say, like two, three weeks ago, I'd be a lot more pessimistic. But I think that loss to UCF, is, as brutal as it was, I think that really awoke something in this team. They haven't lost a game since, I don't think. I mean, the Temple game at the time was very concerning. I mean, having to beat a team like Temple at the buzzer didn't seem great at the time. But Temple has since gotten a road win over both Houston and UCF. Temple is really figuring things out. And there's a possibility that Temple ends up moving up to, say, like a quad two win. And if that happens, that's just even better for Memphis' resume. But – since then, they looked pretty good in the second half against Wichita State. They got a really good road victory over a good Cincinnati team, and then mm-hmm. they just took care of business against SMU. I mean, the final score says they only won by a 15, but they were up by as much as 30 in that game. Yep. So I think Memphis is in a really, really good spot right now. I still think the presence of Alex Lomax and Malcolm Dandridge, those two players in particular, I think those are really what's missing for this team. Because with Dandridge, that just provides another defensive anchor, a rebounder as well. And Memphis has really been struggling in the rebounding category as of late. They've gotten a bit better these last, like, four games. But still, they're not as good of a rebounding team as they could be with Dandridge on the floor. And this team, without Alex Lomax, that second point guard option, they cannot survive without Kendrick Davis on the floor. It's just yep. – it just can't happen. I mean, with if you had Lomax, he'd still be able to stabilize things a little bit and be able to run the offense pretty effectively. But without him, Kendrick Davis has to play way too many minutes, if we're being honest. Kendrick Davis should still be playing, say, like 30, 30 minutes a game or so, but he doesn't need to be playing 38, 39. Like, that just doesn't mm-hmm. need to happen. But when you don't have that second point guard, that's kind of the situation that you put yourself in. But Memphis is in a great spot right now. As long as they take care of business throughout the rest of the American schedule, I think they're pretty – pretty much a lock to make the NCAA tournament. You'd like to get at least one win over Houston, but as of now, I don't know if you necessarily need it. Like, 
and I, I think you're going to get a win over Houston uh, because I, I think Houston is beatable enough for a team like Memphis. But even if you don't get it, I think this is pretty safely in the tournament mm. as long as nothing goes awry. Mm. Quick question, Roman, follow-up. Two questions, actually. What do you think about KO's minutes? Do you think they need to give him more or less? And how have you thought – what are your thoughts about Demaria right now? Well, I trust Penny when it comes to KO's development. He seemed to make the right decisions with him uh, the majority of the time. Now, there have been instances where the team has looked better with KO to reach Yakubundu Igyogu on the floor. But, I mean, outside of the shot blocking, there just there just isn't much to his game surprisingly better at finishing at the rim than what most would think he would be, but he's just not a great rebounder. He's only averaging like two boards a game and he's like six, nine. He can jump over basically everyone on the floor. And that's unacceptable. If you're not rebounding at that height and with that length, it's going to be hard for you to get on the floor. So if Kale were a better rebounder, I would be clamoring for him to get more minutes, but I do like that he's starting instead of stir, no ceiling, no talent, whatsoever mr chandler lawson i mean i prefer <laughs> KO over chandler lawson that, that's for sure but uh, i mean I, I think penny's handling ko just fine and i'll be honest demario has been very disappointing he has not been a good shooter yeah. from the floor by any metric he's very good defensively and he's good at getting to the rim and getting buckets there but memphis needs him to be a better shooter whether that's from the mid-range from three f- from just getting buckets creating his own shot Memphis needs Demario Franklin to be better. He was a 17.5 point, uh, you know, per, per game score at Illinois Chicago last year. And obviously that's in a much worse league than the American, but still you'd expect Demario Franklin to get more production than he's getting right now. So Memphis does need a bit more out of him, but luckily that's like Jacadden and Keontae Kennedy have really, you know, supplemented for that and stepped up, you know, in their roles, especially Keontae Kennedy, who's really mm-hmm. been that third option these past five games, five games or so. Yeah. So, yeah. Overall, I just I really like where Memphis is at. Britt, what about the Nittany Lions? Uh, I mean, we're in the thick of it, which seems to be where we have been for the past couple – well, the past two seasons. This year's <laughs> definitely way better than last year. Um, I thought we were in the thick of it last year, and we were, but if we if we had our record last year, this year, I'd, I would be terrified. So I'm happy with where we are. Um, I mean, considering our worst loss – um, is right now to Michigan. I'm not terribly worried. Michigan isn't the best team, but it's also not by the worst team by any means coming in at 72 in the net, which is something that I've just come to terms with that you guys um, like and enjoy. So I'm starting to adapt it into my um, thought process so that I will be more accepted. Um, but yeah, their worst loss comes to Michigan at Michigan. So it's not, it's not too too terrible. Um, we're pretty bad on the road. We're only one and four on the road and six of our last five, six of our last 11 games are going to be on the road. So we're going to have to pick up the play play there. We have Michigan again tomorrow at home. So that's going to be a big win for us to pick up. But I really think 20 wins, um, is the magic number for us. Magic number for most of these, uh, schools in the big 10 really hitting 20 wins is a sign that, uh, even even in the chaos that is always the Big Ten, you you found a way to make it out. And guard play does help in March. And uh, be, besides Kendrick Davis, I really don't think that there's a point guard that could be considered better than Jalen Pickett right now. Um, he's having an incredible season, All-American first-team type season. Um, so I think if we can pick up seven of these last 11, which is very doable, 
um, with two of those games being against Nebraska and Minnesota. Obviously, no gimmies, but um, if we pick up those two wins, we're looking at five quality wins that we need to pick up, which will obviously help the resume um, with teams like Purdue, Wisconsin, Maryland, Illinois, Ohio State, Rutgers, and Northwestern. So lots of quality opponents coming up. I'm, I'm a little worried. Uh, I don't want – I really think this season could go well. I don't want it to – to kind of fall apart here towards the end because I really think there's a lot of potential and Jalen Pickett making it to a March Madness game would be wild because even though um, lots of people would probably just see Penn State as a one-and-done team, and they they very well could be. I think that putting Jalen Pickett, Seth Lundy, all these guys that have played basketball, played college basketball for four or five, six years, they're the oldest team in the country. You put them in March Madness, and it, it's going to be fun to watch because they this is their, this is their last hurrah for – um, pretty much every guy, um, a lot of these guys on this team. So um, lots of these guys have come from smaller colleges and never had the opportunity to play in a March Madness game. So this would be a great opportunity for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that we, we have a real shot. I think um, I told you guys, Jake and Roman um, earlier that I think that as far as Penn State comparing to Memphis is, as far as like expectations in the Big Ten and AAC, we're probably right around the same. We're kind of sitting around the same boat um as far as like our teams go um i think that penn state and memphis are but memphis is obviously in a better spot than we are um but picking up a win at home against michigan tomorrow will will be pretty essential especially heading into a game against purdue at purdue um on wednesday which if we don't fall apart in the second half i see no reason why we can't beat purdue because we we were up on them by about nine um at halftime against purdue on a neutral site game just a couple weeks ago, and we just fell apart in the second half. So we execute better in the second half. We get a win against Purdue, and it's a whole different story. Um, but I would love to see Penn State make the tournament. Kind of trying to stay optimistic, but it's a little worrying right now, um, seeing as we every time a new bracketology comes out, we always are sitting on the bubble. Mm. How about them Tigers, uh, Jacob? Yes, sir. Um, I'm happy about it. I would talk about the, uh, the Tigers and the Lions, but we got to get to – our NFL predictions, a little update. We have had 10 games happen so far. Roman is, I believe, seven and – no, wait. What are you at, Roman? Are you nine and one? Um, We've had more I, than 10 I got games. One, I got one wrong. Wait, in really? The, um, wild card, and I got yeah. one wrong in the divisional. Because there were – because I went four and two in wild card, and Roman went – and you two went five and one. And then – oh, I guess it would be – yeah, Roman went – You both went and five and one. Romans eight and two, and we're both seven and three. Yeah. Okay. My bad. So Romans eight and two currently. Me and Brent are seven and three. Roman, you'll start Which us out. Roman here goes first as the leader. Yes, sir. Who do you have in the Eagles 49ers? That game is Sunday. The Eagles are favored by two and a half. Who do you have outright, and who do you have taking the spread? Um. Well, y'all know who I'm picking in this game. Come on, this ain't much of a discussion. I'm taking San Francisco mm. uh, to get this done. I've been on the 49ers for basically the whole season. And I know they had a bit of a test Dallas last week in Philadelphia, really cruised against the Giants. But, again, this 49ers team, I think, is loaded. Best defense in the NFL at the moment. Fred Warner is just an absolute freak. And, it, it, like, I just have to mention that. George Kittle made an incredible <laughs> cap as well. Fred Warner and George Kittle are two of my favorite players in the league, and I had to give a quick shout-out to both of them because they were both fantastic in that game against Dallas. I think Brock Purdy has handled himself very well. Throughout this playoff run, he looked very good uh, against the um, the Seahawks in the wild card round. And de- then he uh, he did what he needed to do uh, against Dallas. And the Eagles, 
in Philly is going to be a tough climb, a tough battle. That's for sure. If the Eagles win this game, I wouldn't be shocked at the very least. But ultimately, I think the 49ers are, once again, the better coach team. I, they have their more experience in this situation. And if Philadelphia doesn't get up big on them early, I just don't see how the Eagles are going to be able to win this game. If they're not playing with a lead, they're not the best team in the world. I think we've seen that throughout the entire season. I think San Francisco can come out, you know, out of the gates and jump on Philly early on and just cruise to a victory from there. So I'm taking San Francisco both straight up and obviously against the spread. Well, the Eagles and the 49ers haven't met since September 9th, 2021, and the 49ers beat them uh, 17 to 11. It's been a long time uh, since these two teams met and squared off, um, but a lot has changed since these two teams squared off. Uh, the Eagles have, have won a Super Bowl. Um, that happened beforehand, but it still has happened, and the 49ers have not. <laughs> Um, there, there's a lot has changed considering the 49ers have arguably been more successful since the last time they've met and the Eagles have kind of just been sitting, but I do think that this is the Eagles time to shine. Um, I think that at home with all the weapons, with all the pieces kind of fitting together, um, I think the Eagles make, make the plays that need to be made. Obviously winning the game is important and that involves making good plays. Um, but I think Jalen Hurts right now is arguably the best quarterback that in the playoffs. Looks like oh what you you cut out for a second. Keep going. Oh, sorry. All my respect to all my respect to Brock Purdy. Um, committing not losing a game so far in his young career is, is extremely impressive, and I give my respect to him. But I do think that the buck stops here. I think that Philadelphia is is going to take this one and move on to the national well, not national championship, but I guess it would be the Super national Bowl. championship. Super Bowl. Some, some, and you know, in some cases, you know, in the broadcasting world, you're not allowed to only one, only one sports network is allowed to call it the Super Bowl. Everybody else mm -hmm. has to call it the big game or the national championship or something like that. So maybe unless men in hoodies gets the rights to the Super Bowl, then we may not be able to call it that. Who knows? We might get copyrighted. Yeah, that's true. The big game um, is coming <laughs> up in two weeks. Um, but for me, I'm going to have to go Philadelphia over the 49ers with the spread as well. I do not see them winning by one or two. I do think Philly will take it. And last week, we thought the Giants would maybe stand a chance. I know all of us took the Giants in that point spread, but Philly absolutely blew them out, hitting on all cylinders. I don't expect them to do that exact same thing again this week, but Jalen Hurts has been on fire. Miles Sanders has been another key guy. Kenny Gainwell, everything is really hitting for them. So I'm going to have to go Philly. Quickly for the final game, we've got the AFC Championship the Kansas City Chiefs against the Cincinnati Bengals. The Kansas City Chiefs are favored by one and a half. Roman, who you got? I'm taking Cincinnati. I mean, they have the better quarterback in this game because Patrick Mahomes is going to be on one leg, essentially. And even without the injury, I think Cincinnati would win this game. They really have the Chiefs number. They've beaten them three times in a row, dating back to last season now. And I just don't see how the Chiefs are going to be able to really turn that around. Cincinnati has the better weapons. Again, they're going to have – Back in this game, they have the much better run game as well, even though Isaiah Pacheco has been a fantastic rookie addition for them. And defensively, I think Cincinnati is even better than they were last year. I think the Bengals are in great position to go ahead and get this done. So I'm taking Cincy to face San Francisco in the Super Bowl.
You got to give me Joe Shiesty here. I'm rocking with him. I rocked with him last year around this time. I'm going to do the same here. I think I, the, I got the Bengals number right now, um, just like they've got Kansas City's. And I know it, it the storyline is going to be, can Joe Burrow um, stomp on Patrick Mahomes for the fourth time, um, keep this streak undefeated? And I think that's going to be something that probably sits in his head a little bit during the game. Um, and it's probably going to motivate Patrick Mahomes a lot. But I do think that the Bengals get it done. Now, you tell me five times when they meet next year, that's going to be a different story because that would be crazy. But uh, but here, g- give me the Bengals. I'm always, I'm always up for a little bit of Joe Shiesty. I want to pick Cincinnati, and I think they'll win. But part of me is Don't telling me. Don't do it just because we're no, picking. No, I'm not. I'm not. No, because want... you always do. No, I want to pick the Bengals, but I can't do it because Why? it's it's no matter what, it is still Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey inside Five. Arrowhead. Like you cannot beat that environment. You cannot beat the history and the talent that is located in that area. I think they literally even, did it last year. I know that. With a healthy I'm aware. I'm aware, but I just I don't. I don't want to say that the Bengals are going to win. I'm not going to be pulling for them whatsoever. Even though Joe Burrow's got the moxie, he's got the talent. Moxie. I love to see. I love to see best. Patrick Mahomes without Tyreek Hill make it to the Super Bowl. So oh. I, even though it sucks, I do need. See, if I win both these games, I pass Roman and Brent. So I'm like, I really want that as well. So just give but me. The you can't, to cover. bro. You got the Super Bowl. You can't because we both. We, bo- we both picked the Eagles, and you picked the Chiefs, and I picked the Bengals. So if the Eagles win, me and you are tied, bud. And then I would pass you if the Chiefs won. And hey, then I'd pass no, Roman no, completely you, if the hey, Eagles if I go, and the if Chiefs won. If I go 2-0, oh, I ah, close the dub. So. That is true. Well, give me the Chiefs and, and Philly. I, I like it. <laughs> Wait, okay. That would be All good. Right. Football, but. So I, I want completely different answers. I love it. I want, I, want this, I want to stay in this thing. I'm not ready to give it up yet. Mm-hmm. All right, so we got three minutes left. Roman, give us a one-minute recap of your week. All right, so uh, first off, I have a pretty exciting announcement about my future uh, career plans coming up pretty soon. I hope to get that out within the next few days. But the main thing I want to talk about is that um, on Wednesday, uh, my little sister, Bissette, you know, from kindergarten, she came home complaining about a girl throwing up in in the bathroom. And... Thursday night, she gets sick with a stomach bug, and then the stomach bug is kind enough today to make its way over to myself and oh my goodness, my stepfather. So I've been in and out of consciousness throughout most of the, you know, if I if I wasn't watching basketball, I was out cold on my bed. So today could have been a, a bit better, but luckily I was able to heal just enough to make it to today's podcast. <laughs> Brent, <laughs> wow. Um... Good week overall. Um, doing the podcast now. Had church Wednesday. I got over sickness last week. Um, so, Roman, I know exactly how you feel. Played some basketball. The men in hoodies basketball team. Yes, sir. Won their, won their, first, uh, won their first rec league game this week. It was a little bit of a doozy, um, but we're a little rusty. But we made it through um, for the men in hoodies crew. <laughs> that rhyme. Uh but you know it's it's been a, it's been a good week. Hoping that uh, slows down a little bit next week, so I can enjoy it, enjoy it a little bit more. My week was good as well. I think I had something going on every single night. A new event that yep. we started is called Young Men of Memphis. It was awesome. It happened uh, Friday night last night. It was really fun. Uh, we watched a video of 
Steve Gaines teaching at a Minute Memphis conference on a Thursday morning. Talked about it, had some good questions, and played some pickup basketball. That was enjoyable. Um, obviously, the Minute Hoodies basketball team taking the W in the midst of the drama of the night was was amazing oh, and awesome. Um, we don't have to get into that. We wouldn't have enough time. 40 um, minutes I, for the last <laughs> minute of the game. I'm just saying. It was, it was crazy. Roman, you, if you were commentating, you would have hated it. <laughs> it was awesome, though. We uh, we play stepsisters this week, so that should be that should be fun, <laughs> a fun experience. Roman's definitely going to have to pull up to that one. Hopefully he can get over the stomach bug. Uh, ref seven basketball games today, including high school. Daniel and Terrell, shout out to you. Y'all took a dub by 20. That was pretty fun to watch. Um, but, yeah, that's going to be it for the Men in Hoodies podcast today. Hopefully you will have listened to this by the games tomorrow to see what our predictions were and if they came true or not. But again, thank you for listening. The, hopefully this week we will have some mini episodes coming out to you. I've got a Busy. hot take of my own that I definitely want to bring to the world this week that we will hopefully discuss. We've got Super Bowl predictions and analysis next week as well. We will see you next time. The water chose me.